There it is, a win for the ages. This is All American, a new series from Stitcher. You realize Tiger Woods doesn't know who he is. Best in the history of golf, no question in my mind. And this season, we're asking. What if the story of Tiger Woods that the media has been telling, what if it's been completely wrong? Season one of All American premieres August 20th. Subscribe or favorite now. Worried about keeping up with your fave friends all summer? Or posting every perfectly pink sunset you see? Don't sweat the connect. You can have it made in the shade with four lines of unlimited data for $100 a month. Scroll the staycation pics, find your new go-to takeout spot, or catch some rays on video chat. Whatever you and the crew are into, all the data makes it all that much better. Smile. You're on Cricket. Cricket Core acquired on four lines. Data speed limited to three megabits per second. Cricket may slow data speeds when the network is busy. Additional fees, usage, and restrictions apply. Okay, Hillary, I'm going to show you a picture that my mom just sent me. Potholders! Oh my god, these are just like the ones that I made when I was a kid. Like the ones that you weave on the little loomy thing. Add it to the list of things we have in common. (laughs) Except that my mom doesn't have mine anymore. (laughs) You know why? Why? I had a potholder business. I sold them at the end of my driveway when I was like seven years old. Huh. What's the going rate for a potholder when you were a kid? I mean, it's hard to remember, but I'm guessing like 50 cents, 75 cents. So I learned years later that my mom would like set up the table for me with all the potholders. I'd be making potholders on the spot too. And she would go in the house and she would call up the neighbors and be like, so Hillary's out at the end of the driveway selling potholders. You might want to walk by and, and, and buy one. Wow. And you thought this was organic foot traffic. I did. Nope. It was my mom doing my dirty work for me. Is that your only business? It was not. I also sold milkshakes, like disgusting milkshakes that I would make at the end of my driveway. This feels so Hillary to me, right? You love to make things and you've really successfully always found ways to take the things you love to make and turn them into businesses or podcasts. Right. (laughs) Like this one. Okay, podcast singular, this show, yes. I mean, I think I think it's true. I think I've always been like, oh, that thing? I want to make that and sell it. That has been my mindset for my whole life. <laughs> so, you know, here's the thing. Like, I sold stuff at the end of my driveway, probably made, like, no more than five bucks. But imagine if I had the internet. Nothing could have stopped you. You would have had business cards. <laughs> you would have been the first person in the door the day eBay opened shop. I would have gone pro. I would have been, like, a kid pro. And there are kids today who are really taking advantage of this to, you know, varying degrees. And that's what we want to talk about today. Kids who get the chance to become real entrepreneurs and sell to the masses, not at the end of their driveway, but online. This is The Longest Shortest Time. I'm Andrea Salenzi. And I'm Hillary Frank. Together, we are going to explore who some of these kids are, what they're selling, how they become successful. And um, it turns out my kid recently started becoming a bit of an entrepreneur herself, but in a way that makes me completely uncomfortable.
I think it's impossible to talk about kid entrepreneurs, or as I like to call them, kidtrepreneurs in 2018 without talking about slime. It's a teen thing, right? Yeah. It's like a national craze. So many of our listeners are going to be familiar with this. It's like putty. There are like all kinds of ways to make it. But one of the basic ingredients is generally glue, like white Elmer's glue. Tons of kids are doing this. They're like they're making videos of kneading it, folding it, like sticking their manicured fingers in it. And I got to say, it's like a really satisfying sound. A lot of kids don't see slime as a toy. They see it as a moneymaker. Slimers. <laughs> That's the word. If you like make and sell it, you're kind of like a slimer, I guess. Do you consider yourself a slimer? Yes, I do. <laughs> so Andrea, it turns out I actually know a slimer. My name is Hollis and I'm 12 years old. I'm going into seventh grade. So Hollis lives across the street from me. She babysits for my daughter and she has one of these Instagram accounts where she posts videos of slime and she sells it. And a few weeks ago, she let me come visit her house. Here we go to the basement. To see Slime HQ. I have this like table in the corner of my basement. It's a mess right now. <laughs> this looks like a lab, like a 12-year-old's lab. You've got like your shaving cream, your glue, and this disgusting looking gray stuff in a Ziploc bag over there. What's that? So I have like a bunch of my dead slimes down here, the ones that like melted or turned into oh, a slime graveyard <laughs> it's a dark place and then she had all these little like tupperware bins of stuff to make her slime special you can add like little styrofoam beads that's called phloem because it makes it like crunchy you can add glitter which also makes it crunchy and there's like packing beads. wait crunchy slime is good yes because <laughs> the noise is fun this one isn't that crunchy because there isn't too much in it. You have to put a lot of styrofoam in it for it to be really crunchy. Now, Andrea. Yes. Hollis, like any good entrepreneur, clearly knows what's appealing about her product. But she's also aware of the competitive landscape. A couple years ago, she made a video with pink slime in like a glass where it looks like a milkshake. And there's like shaving cream on the top that's supposed to look like whipped cream. She takes the whole thing, dumps it out on a table, and mixes it all together with her hands. You add a lot of shaving cream to slime and it makes it like really, it makes it a lot bigger and like fluffy. But Hollis would never do that now. It's not really popular anymore. No one does that. Why not? Why is that out of style? I guess things just kind of like fade and then new things come in or something. What are some of the things that have come in and out of style with slime? Clear slime is in right now. That is using clear glue instead of the normal white glue. And so you can like see everything underneath. I've only made one and it wasn't <laughs> very good. Now, when I went to Hollis's house, I had no idea how she ran her business or how big it was. All I knew was she had an Instagram account with about 600 followers and her profile says, I sell cheap slime. And people like DM me. They direct message you. Yeah. And then I like bring the slime to them. So so is it all people in town? Yeah, some people I know. And then like they kind of tell like other people and it like ripples out. I don't really put prices. I just like if people want it, they just like direct message me and then I'll tell them the price. 
Oh, you're just coming up with it on the spot. Yeah, I guess so. So, like, if I wanted that blue one with the clay in it, how much would you charge for that? Depends on the size. If you wanted an 8-ounce, that would probably be $4 because the clay is expensive. So you have to kind of raise the price. And what if I wanted the biggest size you could possibly make? If you wanted the 16-ounce, it would probably be, like, like 6 or $7. Actually, this is Hollis's second slime account. The first one she made, she got locked out of because she couldn't remember the password. And that one, on the profile, it said, all purchases will be donated to the Montclair Animal Shelter. Do you still donate all of your earnings to the Montclair Animal Shelter? I do not anymore. (laughs) Wait, what changed? I wasn't really making money to, like, give to them in the first place. (laughs) So did you ever give them any money? It wasn't that much. It was, like, less than $20. (laughs) And then you were like, I'm just going to pocket this. Yeah, (laughs) because I use it to, like, buy materials and things. Oh, so does the money go all go back into your slime habit, or does it go... To, to anything else. It mostly goes back into the slime and then I can make more and then sell more and then get more money. So for a while, she was an aspiring B Corp, but now she's more like a break-even business. <laughs> she's just trying to not go into the red. That's right. And Hollis was not really able to tell me how much money she's made off of her slime. She said she doesn't really keep track of that. Um, but, you know, as we know, some kids have gone super pro with slime. They're earning up to like $3,000 a month. And they have like over a million followers. Is that what you want? Do you want to have like a million followers and sell a lot of slime? Uh, I guess so. But like, it would kind of like be hard because you have to like organize it and make a lot of slime. And it's pretty expensive, like all the glue and the materials. And they also like have like really good videos They have, like, good lighting and, like, just good editing, I guess. So they make the big slimes so that they can divvy it up and send it to other people? Yeah. And then there's postage involved. Uh Uh-huh. So you have to put a lot of money in before you can even get customers, right? Mm Mm-hmm. It costs a lot. What do you think is happening? Do you think their parents are backing them? Yeah. Parakeet Slimes, her dad has, like, a whole account where he makes slime. (laughs) Wait, the dad makes the slime? (laughs) Well, the girl mostly makes it, but the dad also, like, helps her with it and, like, helps her package them and things. What do you think your parents think of your slime habit? I think they hate it. (laughs) Well, I have to admit, it took a little getting used to. My name is Zoe, and I'm Hollis's mom. At first, I just saw it as messy, very, very messy, The main ingredient is glue or variations on glue. It splatters on the wall. It splatters on the floor. It splatters on her clothes. um, And it's just, it it dries there. And it's sticky. (laughs) It's very, very sticky. What's the worst thing it's gotten on? Definitely the kitchen wall was pretty well splattered. There were some carpet issues in her room. But over time, I've come to see that she's really learning things She's learning about how to run a business. She's learning about marketing. And it does keep her engaged and happy and busy. So there was one day that you approached me on the street and you were telling me why you were encouraging Hollis to try to babysit for my daughter. 
Can you can you can you repeat what you said to me? I don't, I don't remember what I said, Hillary, but I can imagine that it had to do with making money so that she can buy her own slime supplies. I mean, I remember at first, you know, we're buying glue and we're buying, you buy glue and then you buy little glue and then you buy more glue and then you're buying gallons of glue, like multiple gallons of glue over the internet and, you know, maybe $10 a gallon for a gallon of glue. And she can go through that in a week easy or two weeks easy. So yeah, I mean, one of the compromises that Hollis and I came to pretty quickly was, look, you have to start making the money to buy the supplies yourself. The quality of her slime is really good often. And she's created little marketing tricks. Like when she does sell slime at school, she packages it in containers with stickers that she had printed with her the name of her slime company. And she packages it with little candies as like an extra gift. She did figure out some techniques this year at school where basically undercutting her competitors' cost worked effectively. However, since everybody she knows makes slime, the market is rather saturated. It's kind of challenging, I think, to actually make money selling slime. She told me it involves the parents getting involved. Yeah. So, I mean, that's been because I work full-time and my husband works full-time. Like, we just haven't been willing to figure out how to help her at this point create slime that can be packaged and shipped outside of our neighborhood, outside of our town, because that sounds like a lot of work for us. You'd have to have packing materials. You'd have to have regular postal service picking up packages from your house. You'd have to have a way to process credit card orders. And you'd have to be managing these orders every single day, you know, following up with people's concerns about maybe they're unsatisfied with the product or maybe they want an extra shipment. So it just seems like an extraordinary amount of work and one that the average 12-year-old can't do by herself kind of sounds like a nightmare to me. But it's not a nightmare for everyone. Coming up, we're going to talk to some kids whose moms were totally fine getting all involved in their kids' business. Stay with us. Say advertisement. Advertisement. Good job. We're back. I'm Hillary Frank. I'm here with Andrea Salenzi. We just heard from a girl who makes slime. Andrea, you talked to some kids who have really different kinds of businesses. Right. This one is a family business. It's run by two brothers. I build the stuff. That's David. He is 12 years old. I'm more of the advertiser. Who's the hand model? I'm the hand model. And this is Evan. He's nine. So we found out about these brothers from their Aunt Vicky. She sent our show a link to their Etsy store. Hillary, their store is called Brickzuzza. Brickzuzza? Yeah, it's a mezuzah made out of Legos. Oh, I can picture it. Do you have a mezuzah up in, in your house? I don't have one, but my parents have one on their door. I have one on my door that was a gift from my grandma, and it's incredibly special to me. What it basically is, it's a like a little decorative box about the size of your pointer finger. And inside is a prayer scroll. With like prayers in Hebrew in it. Yeah, it probably means something different for everyone. But for me, it just means I'm Jewish and it makes me think of my grandma. We have a collection of them all over our house. That's David and Evan's mom, Esther. They're all from different other homes that we've been in or from our wedding or gifts from our bar mitzvah or bar mitzvah. So we have more mezuzahs than we have doors, actually. And they're all special to me. But I do like the the Lego ones on the boys' doors. The Lego ones. You know, these are the ones that David and Evan made themselves. Whenever I see it, it makes me smile. How often do you guys play with Legos? Every day. 
We can't go a day without using them. But there's a huge difference between making something and selling it. Evan and David got the idea that this could be a business when they sold their first one to a family member with the discount. And that's when they started thinking that maybe it was time to set up an Etsy store. Our mother came up with that idea. Esther, how did you think of an Etsy store? Oh, I shop on Etsy all the time. So it was a perfect, easy way to just open up a store and see what they could do with it. So how much do these things cost? 30 bucks a pop. They have lots of ideas all the time. This is the only one we've kind of fully gone through to create a product in the shop. You guys had to come up with a business plan. It's a lot harder than it looks and sounds. You know, you always really see on like TV, like on Shark Tank, that they get money really easily in like a month. Except it's not that easy. It's a learning experience. You know, they have to figure out how much their materials cost and shipping and their commission to Etsy and... You know, you don't make 100% of the money that for retail is. And I actually think David would have preferred to be selling these in person or at a shop. You know, they don't actually even like to promote the store online much because David's intimidated by social media. Yeah, I've tried to have them start on Instagram, just showing their Lego creations, and they're not interested. When the boys started making these brick mezuzahs, they did try to find places to sell them in town. Like in our neighborhood, we're not even allowed to go out on the driveway and sell stuff. Don't you think you maybe could sell some mezuzahs if you set up a little table, you know, at a at like a holiday market somewhere? Yeah. We would have sold a whole lot more. But the market turned us down. Really? Where we live, there's only one Judaica shop. They went in and asked if they could bring their stock to show them, and they just said, oh, we won't accept any other suppliers or whatever. So if a kid wants to sell, they pretty much have to go to the internet. So Hillary, I feel like I've given you the impression that this is a bigger business than it really is. Yeah, how how big is it? At this point, David and Evan have only sold about a dozen Brixoses, so not that big. I was imagining much more than that. Yeah, but what's cool to these brothers is that these are 12 sales to total strangers. And I think that is a good feeling that you could create something that someone could purchase from some other place in the world entirely. They told me about a time that they did a custom order and how cool it was to know that someone in Michigan was getting their special blue and yellow Brixosa. Yeah, I mean, that would have blown my mind as a kid. Like if I could have made stuff and known it would have wound up in people's homes in different parts of the country or the world. Right. And that's an opportunity that David and Evan have because they're selling online. So, Andrea, like one of the things that Hollis's mom was worried about with the slime business was that if it grew, like there would be this online shop and she'd like have to help Hollis with all of the packing of materials and shipping things out. Is that is that going on with these boys? Esther's involved. She's helping the boys buy supplies. But she makes sure that they're packing up all their brixoses themselves. And, you know, that's easy to do because they are still a pretty small operation. But Esther feels like this is an important learning opportunity for them. And both David and Evan are open to running their own businesses when they grow up someday. Maybe someday we'll see them on Shark Tank with these. Do you guys ever see other kids on Shark Tank? Oh, yeah. Do you think I could do that? Totally. And Hillary, Shark Tank is actually the TV show where our next entrepreneur got his start. Hello, my name is Mosiah Bridges, and I'm the CEO of Mo's Bows, (laughs) handmade bow ties. And I brought 
me my lovely momager. Hi, Sharks. Hillary, that was Mo at 11 years old. But this is Mo now. My name is Mariah Bridges, and I am the CEO of Mo's Both Handmade Bow Ties. Mo learned how to sew when he was nine years old from his grandma. And the first few bow ties turned out not so great. They just looked like unicorns. It was horrible. He got better at sewing bow ties, which was good because the reason he wanted to learn how to make them was just because he wanted to wear them. That's pretty cute. Yeah, Mo's the kind of kid who would wear a suit and tie just to go to the playground. Oh, (laughs) I love this kid. So bow tie making was a hobby for Mo at first, and then it turned into a real business because of Mo's mom, or as she says, his momager, Termika. At one point, he gave them away for free. He sold them for chips and cookies and rocks. It was then when he said, oh, you know, one of my friends wants a white bow tie. I said, okay, at this point, you're going to have to charge him because now we have to go out and find and buy fabric. So I believe that was the first, you know, official order that really jumpstart, hey, this is going to be a business. And now they go anywhere from 30 to $50. So at first, Tramika started a website and opened up an Etsy store. And then she started thinking about selling these bow ties in the real world. You know, they started going to trunk shows in their region and even selling to boutiques all over Memphis, Tennessee, where they live. This is like already, this is bigger than the Brixiza boys. Right. And then they had their first big break when Moe's bow ties were featured in O Magazine. You know, the business kept growing. He even got a chance to go to the White House to meet Michelle and Barack Obama, which was so exciting for him and for his mom. You know, they've made $700,000 as a business since 2011. Wow. And when he was 15, he got a seven-figure deal to make signature bow ties for every team on the NBA. What? Oh, my God. I know. But here's the thing that Mo is the proudest of. Of course, being featured as one of Tom's most 30 influential teams in the world. Kylie Jenner and Zendaya were also on the list. But Mo doesn't get to, you know, hang out with them. His day-to-day life is pretty normal for a teenager. You know, he's the CEO of the company, but... Really the boss of the creative side of the company when it comes to picking out the fabric and just coming up with designs for photo shoots, for branding, things like that. And my mom pretty much handles the financials. He, as a designer, he you know, he sees the world in color and print. So for him, he's just like, you know, well, I'm going to wear both sides regardless, but if you want to sell these, then go for it. And I think it was more me pushing the business aspect. So when did it start taking over your life? When did it become your career? I believe I quit my job in 2013. I work for a retirement services company, and I quit not so much wanting to rely just on Mo's bows, but there were other reasons that I just did not want to be at the company anymore. So I was actually looking for another job. And in the meantime, one of my friends has said, hey, you know, while you're still looking for other work, why don't you just literally pour everything you have as far as time and energy and resources into building Mo's bows into a major brand? It just made sense to me that I'm more valuable to my son than this company who I feel just didn't value me. I found I was more valuable to Mo and his future, whether it got really, really big or, or what. 
Of course, Mo is balancing this with being a teenager and going to high school. You know, the hardest part for him is how time-consuming this can be. My friends get mad at me because I can't show up to a birthday party because I have to go somewhere. Is there a specific thing that you missed out on because of the company? Yes, my eighth grade prom that I was super mad about and still am mad about. He was going to Germany, I believe. I didn't want to go at all because my eighth grade prom was the night that I flew out. He was honest in saying some of his friends get upset with him because like, Mo, you're never available, you're never here. And, and I asked him, I was like, so... Wait, are are friends that important to you? And he said, yes, yes, they are. (laughs) And then I have to remember, I was 16. I think I was a different 16-year-old. I had maybe one really, really close friend and nothing else outside of her mattered. But for him, you know, friends are important and that's okay. Over the years, Tramika has learned that being a good momager means you have to balance your kids' needs with what the business needs. At times, I will have to put my foot down and say, okay, whether you want to or not, this is essential for your brand, this is essential for the business, you're doing it. So I I do have to pull rank. (laughs) And something to keep in mind is that Mo's going to be leaving for college before you know it. Do you think he's going to keep doing the bow tie thing? It's hard to say. You know, he wants to be a fashion designer. Termika thinks that the business has gotten big enough that it could keep going even if he gets into something else. Even if he wants to kind of quit the brand, I believe it will still go on just as an apparel line. We would just be selling selling bow ties and maybe even get a different face of the brand. <laughs> and I only say that just because the brand has come so far and it's become more than just Mo. He will be completely fine with knowing that it's in good hands. And we've always been planning on having the brand just kind of run itself or get someone in place to help run the brand while I start to focus on more of what I want to do. Because I I didn't say I wanted to be in bowtie business for the rest of my life. (laughs) Andrea, I love hearing Mo's story. Hearing how involved Tramika is makes me realize I'm one of the moms who I think would not want to be involved in my kid's business. And particularly in one that I just found out she started. Uh Uh-oh. Yeah. In a minute, I'll tell you all about it. People, don't go away. Can you say advertisements? Advertisements. back. And Hillary, I know you have something you've been waiting to tell me. Yeah. So while we were working on this show about kid businesses, my kid came home. She's eight years old. She came home from camp and she was all upset. And she said her babysitter told her that she's not allowed to sell fidget toys. Wait, what fidget toys? Right. I'm confused too. So what actually happened unfolded for me throughout the course of the evening. And At each turn, it became more and more shocking to me. So I'm going to lay this out for you step by step. So at dinner that night, I thought it was funny. So I like was jokingly telling my husband, hey, like Sasha says she wants to sell something. Sasha, tell daddy. And so she's like, yeah, I want to I want to sell fidget toys made from paper. And so we were like, what? Like, what do you mean you want to sell them? And she's like, well, I already did. (laughs) (laughs) What? Yeah. So I suddenly have a ton of questions. I asked her if I could record us talking about it. And she said it was fine. 
Hi. What's your name? Sasha. So to start with, the best I can gather is that she made some of these things that she's calling paper fidget toys at camp. And then the next thing is she went up to a girl at camp. I said, do you want a fidget toy? And she said, okay, then maybe you can give me a dollar. And she said, okay. And did she have a dollar? Yes. And she just gave it to you? Yes. And I traded her two fidget toys. Wait a second. So each one cost 50 cents? Because no. she gave you a dollar? No. So it cost... She gave me $5, so I was going to give... Wait, wait, she gave you what? $5, so I was going to give her change the next day. <laughs> Why did she give you $5? Because she only had $5 bill. She didn't have a $1 bill. What was she doing with a $5 bill at camp? I have no idea. It's not my money. I'll tell you what she was doing with the $5 bill at camp. I know exactly what that was for. What? She had that because you guys go swimming and you're required to wear swim caps. And if you don't have a swim cap, you can send your kid with a $5 bill or with $5 to buy a swim cap. That's why she had the $5. Oh. Okay, but continue. <laughs> Instead, she gave you the $5 to buy... Two of them? Two of the fidget toys? Yeah, and then I was going to give her $3 the next day. And at first, were you only trying to sell her one of them? Yeah. And how did it come to be that she bought two? Because I say, you can give me a dollar, and she gives me five dollars. And then you just threw another one in and said, I'll only give you three dollars back. <laughs> no, no. I said, you want one, two, three, four, or five? And she said, two. So, Andrea... I think this is the part of the story where you need to see what these fidget toys actually look like. Yeah, I need to see these because what I've been picturing so far is like a fidget spinner made out of paper. A fidget spinner made of paper is exactly what I was imagining too. When Sasha told me about this at dinner, I was like, what do you mean? What do you even mean? Paper fidget toys. And she went to her backpack and came back to the table with just a handful of stuff. And I'm going to show you a picture of what she dumped on the table. <laughs> oh, my God. What? <laughs> this looks like the garbage from the bottom of a kid's backpack. This does not look like a fidget spinner. Exactly. So I, I this one you push in, and it makes the crinkling sound, and it's fun. It just looks like she, like, took markers and scribbled on a piece of paper for, like, less than a minute and then tore the pieces of paper up and, and like, twisted them and folded them up and then charged a dollar. So this one, it's like a accordion and you open it and close it. You've raised a business genius. I cannot believe she sold this to anyone. She, like, she swears that each one of these little pieces of garbage has a purpose. Uh-huh. And then there's another one that has tabs, and you can twist this thing and play in video games. 
This is how you fidget with them? Mm-hmm. Honey, I love you. These I are use, tiny crumpled up pieces of paper. I use them for stuff. They're fine to play with. They're they're cool to play with, but you can't charge. They're not worth a dollar each. <laughs> okay. This is my business, baby. My business, business, baby. I love doing it because it's my business, business, baby. I told Sasha she has to give the money back. She has to give all $5 back, not just the $3 and change. And she said that she would. She pinky promised me. So you're not getting in on the business? I'm not. No, I want no part of this business. I wanted to shut this business down as soon as I could. Okay. But, uh, by the way, do you have um, Sasha's Venmo? <laughs> no. <laughs> I'm going to see if I can get it on the ground floor on this. (laughs) Trust me, Andrea, you could make your own paper fidget toys. No, but I mean, she knew how to create artificial value to this product. And (laughs) I'm looking at this photo and I kind of want one. (laughs) Bring a $5 bill to work next time and we'll see what we can do. Tell us, has your kid started their own business? Leave us a comment on our website. That's longestshortesttime.com. That's episode number 171. Today's show was produced by me, Andrea Salenzi, with Jackie Sajiko. Our show's creator and executive producer is me, Hilary Frank. Our engineers are Pete Karam and Jared O'Connell. Our music is performed by hotmoms.gov. We get editorial support from Peter Clowney, Antonia Acatunde, Anne-Marie Baldonado, Rika Murthy, and Julia Wang. Next time on The Longest Shortest Time, author Glennis McNichol is single, no kids of her own. And suddenly, it's the eve of her 40th birthday. She has to ask herself, am I okay with being alone? It's feeling very, this sort of last minute panic and dread as if I was going to turn 40, wake up the next morning, be shriveled, dumb lacking in all potential. There's no possibility left. Like it was just going to be the end. I could not see any future past it. Do not miss this episode. Subscribe to The Longest Shortest Time on Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you like to listen. And as always, here at the show, we want to hear your stories. Right now, uh, language warning, we're doing a thing where we're trying to find out what your thoughts are on the word MILF. Do you love it? Do you hate it? Has anyone called you a MILF? Do you have a story to tell about that? Go to longestshortesttime.com, hit the participate tab, and submit your story. Good night, my loyal friends. See you next time on The Fidget Toys Collectors. Yeah. <laughs> Dirt, 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 dirt.